I had mentioned before the news that I had uh, talked about this, and I do not remember the historian that I talked with a couple weeks ago, around July 4th, when the C-SPAN 2021 Survey of Presidential Leadership was released, and it contained very few surprises. Let's start there with Francis P. Sempa. He is a professor of political science at Wilkes University. He had a book out a few years ago called America's Global Role, Essays and Reviews on National Security. Professor, welcome to Double Dale, sir. How are you? Very good. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks. I hope you had a good weekend. I did. Thank you. So I was discussing this as I was watching C-SPAN because it's what I do, especially over a longer weekend, and I watched the presidential survey that comes out. I don't think they do this annually, but every couple years, and I didn't find it to be very surprising at all. I was surprised. Well, no, I wasn't surprised that Donald Trump wasn't last because that's reserved for Buchanan, obviously. But then I found your column at realclearhistory.com, which I think is a terrific site run by Tom Bevan, our buddy. And you wrote a terrific column here saying, well, the C-SPAN survey, number one, the advisory team, three liberals, one conservative. Uh, they ranked the presence on public persuasion, crisis leadership, economic management, moral authority, international relations, administrative skills, so on and so forth, within the context of the time, supposedly. And you wrote, it's a mystery why conservatives even bother to participate. It sounds like you're disgusted by the entire C-SPAN ranking. Well, uh, I don't know if I'd say disgusted, but uh, the, what, what the problem is that the, 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 the participants, there was 142 participants um, uh, in this survey, uh, and mostly taken from academia, uh, authors, journalists, and, you know, we, it's no surprise to anyone that those people in those professions tend to be very liberal, particularly in academia and particularly in, in journalism. Uh, and, and, and in the history profession as well. And it's obvious from not just the, the current C-SPAN survey, but if you go back to the old Arthur Schlesinger surveys back in the, in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, there's always a liberal bias. And, and in this case, we had a liberal bias in the makeup of the uh, participants and, of course, uh, in the results. Uh, and, and that's why I, I said I don't know why conservatives bother to participate in something like this, because you know we know we know the end result for the most part, and that is it's it's going to be favorable to activists, liberal presidents, and mostly unfavorable uh, to conservatives. Let's take Trump out of this specifically, because I've said this to my listeners a hundred times: if he had ten or twenty percent of Ronald Reagan's charm, he would have been reelected. But normally, doesn't it take years to view presidential legacies accurately? Anyway. Absolutely, and that's why I wrote that I don't think they should have ranked Trump or Obama, for that matter. Um, uh, I know they ranked Obama 10th, which I thought was ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, it takes some time for, or it should take some time for historians and, and even journalists to put a, a presidency in perspective, because, as we know, you know, when, when, when presidents leave office, when Harry Truman left office, uh, in, in 1953, uh, his, his poll numbers were something like 19, 20%. Um, in time, historians and journalists have mostly said, well, you know, Truman was better than that. Uh, and so I think that type of, that historical perspective uh, is, is, is a better way to, to, to rank presidents. Um, uh, it, it's too immediate. Obama, Trump, much too immediate. Yeah. 
Professor Francis Sempa is here. He's a political science at Wilkes University. Um, just touching on Truman one more time, you know, he had a, a hugely popular, massive, very comprehensive biography written by David McCullough a number of years ago. After that book came out and was read by everybody, I noticed he shot up 10 to 12 uh, rankings the next time the C-SPAN poll came out. Yeah, yes, and the McCullough, McCullough book is excellent, but if you'll, you might have noted in my article that I think Truman is overrated by uh, this this panel. This panel, I believe, ranked him sixth. Uh, and while Truman, I think, had a very effective uh, foreign policy when it comes to Europe, um, often overlooked is what I would call his disastrous foreign policy in Asia. Uh, it's on Truman's watch that China goes communist, and, and in part due to his policies. He, he withdrew aid from the nationalists under Chiang Kai-shek, and we are still living with the consequences of a of, of the Chinese Communist Party. They're now our main enemy. Uh, and, of course, uh, his conduct of the Korean War uh, was also uh, not something that, that is, is very positive. So uh, that's why I, I, I don't think Truman deserves to be in the top ten. Uh, but, unfortunately, I think there's also a Eurocentric bias sometimes, to, uh, particularly to historians. And, of course, our, our country is, is uh, you know, the, most of the people or a lot of the people in the country and a lot of people in the profession are Eurocentric rather than uh, concentrating on Asia, which, of course, is the most important part of the world today. Professor, why do you think the myth of Camelot endures? I'll tell you, it, 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 it befuddles me. Um, John Kennedy, uh, this young, vibrant, 43-year-old, really inexperienced man that was barely elected president in 1960 in, a, in a, one of the closest races uh, and, and there's a lot of a, hist- a lot of historians that argue yeah. uh, that you know Richard Nixon actually won that. Yeah, tell us about it. We we we're, you're talking to a guy in Chicago familiar with the Bridgeport neighborhood, <laughs> right? So you know all about Mayor Daley and what went on in the 1960 election, and people often forget what went on in Texas with Lyndon Johnson as his vice president. Um, so yeah, I, I, I it's histo- it's it's too bad that that we have. Uh, John Kennedy, of course, was was liberal in domestic policy. He was quite conservative in foreign policy, but he was very inexperienced. And that inexperience showed uh, Michael Beschloss, who's a, a very good historian, yep. tends to be liberal. He wrote a great book uh, called The Crisis Years uh, w- about Kennedy and Khrushchev, in, in which he contended, and I think accurately, that most of the crises that John Kennedy dealt with during his administration uh, were often caused by John Kennedy and his administration. Professor, just one more question about that, and since you referenced Truman and China already. uh, Because Truman was saddled with losing China, is that why Lyndon Johnson, after the martyred Kennedy, had to stick with Vietnam, even though his gut instinct was to get out because he did not want to lose Southeast Asia? Yeah, I think that's that's exactly right, Uh, and I think... Um, we, we learned the, law, the wrong lessons, if you will, from Korea. Uh, if you remember, uh, uh, Dwight Eisenhower, when he was president, uh, kept warning Johnson, yep. Kennedy, you know, get don't get involved in yep. a ground war in Asia. Okay, yep. and, and unfortunately, they didn't listen to Eisenhower. Uh, so yeah, I think I think Johnson uh, very much didn't want to go down in history uh, and didn't want to be as unpopular as Truman. It turned out he was less popular. 
and and Johnson, of course, is for some strange reason ranked 11th uh, in in this uh, survey, which again I think is ridiculous and laughable. <laughs> when you give away a lot of money, you tend to rank well. <laughs> this is true, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Professor. All right, let's let's play a parlor game. What if conservatives did the ranking? Let's get your your uh, uh, top ten or. Uh, Whatever you, I, I don't mean to sandbag you. I don't know if you have your list in front of you, but let's hear who you think, uh, going back uh, to our representative republic, the beginning there. Uh, how do you rank uh, the presidents? Okay, I would rank George Washington first. Uh, Lincoln often gets ranked first, but it was Washington that forged the nation. It was Washington that every, every, every decision he made was a precedent that other presidents would have to look at. Uh, and most importantly of all, and this often goes unappreciated with George Washington, the most important decision he made during his presidency was to keep us out of European wars. There was a great sentiment after the French Revolution for the United States to get involved on the side of France in its wars with Britain and other countries, and Washington steered a very prudent course of neutrality and really saved the young nation a lot of heartaches. So he'd be my number one. Lincoln is number two. Lincoln... Uh, saved that union that Washington forged. Uh, number three, I put Ronald Reagan. Uh, I think Ronald Reagan not only presided over a booming economy, uh, but he won the Cold War without virtually uh, firing a shot. Uh, so I think Reagan deserves to be number three. Uh, I put Thomas Jefferson at number four, and I put Jefferson at four mainly because of the Louisiana Purchase. Uh, we are the country we are in part because of Thomas Jefferson. We're a continental nation because Jefferson had the wisdom to, to see that this country should grow from, from sea to sea. Uh, fifth, um, uh, I'm trying to remember. But I, Polk. I, I, Polk. Uh, James Polk. James Polk is, like Jefferson, responsible for this country being a country that is a continental uh, giant from sea to sea. Polk's, uh, Polk, uh, Southwest, southwestern United States and uh, the western part of this country became part of this country because of James Polk. And he also, by the way, promised when he was elected that he would not run for a second term. And surprise, surprise, he kept that promise. Wow. Well, let's uh, leave it there. Let's leave it. You go through Eisenhower, Theodore Roosevelt, Coolidge, Nixon, and Monroe, and your yeah. worst presidents would be Wilson, Carter, Buchanan, and the aforementioned Lyndon Johnson. But I really enjoy, I really enjoy the conversations like this with historians. Um, you know, people that have studied this, because there was a book out a number of years ago, and I read it. I can't give the author proper attribution. I apologize. But that was an amazing family, the Polk family. Generationally, they were involved in so much of American history, and yet the entire family now is an afterthought. That's exactly right. Polk is one of those, I think, great presidents that is uh, very underappreciated. Now, there are, I think he's his, his, some historians, some professional historians, uh, do rank him a, a little higher, but I don't think he still gets the credit he deserves. Well, it's a great conversation, and we should probably, maybe with your uh, permission, we could do this again and make it into a podcast and spend a little bit more time on your list. I'd be very happy to do that. For some reason, the station is insistent that we do this on Zoom, so we have to stare at each other. Any objection? No, I have no objection to that. <laughs> I don't know why that's important to them, but it is. All right, uh, Professor Sempa, thank you, sir. Much appreciated, and we'll talk again. Thank you. Take and, and stare into each other's eyes for some reason, uh, not to <laughs> not good. too distant future. Okay, thank you, sir.